Welcome to a combined effort called Joy of Union and Out There or Jout There or Joy of Union. Anyway, T.J. Ryan along with Joy, Regina Melchizedek, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, Joy? Hey, I'm pretty good, pretty good. You know, it's been busy days, and thank God Mercury went, went uh, Mercury, Mercury went to rest. Because I'm telling you, even the aftermath has had some bumps for, I think, a lot of us. A little here, a little there, linked to communications. And it's interesting because Mercury, actually, it rules communications, computers, all that kind of stuff. And that's linked to how we connect from heart sometimes, too, which I think is interesting how it is going direct during a uh, time of the year when we celebrate love and heart. Isn't that cool? I think it's very cool. Thank you. And I, you know, we had you talked to me about what we were going to do as far as a podcast. And I remember when we did a channeling with JFK, which was a, God, it's a few years now, right? And yeah. I thought, I didn't really know much about him. And then you kind of made it seem like I have a connection to him. And mm -hmm. it just seems like he's been on my mind. And I'm thinking maybe he's around me right now. I don't know. And I thought, well, if you're game to it, maybe we get a hold of him. And and then also Betty White. I thought it was very interesting that Betty White, here they're going to have this big celebration for her. She's turning yep. 100. And then she dies yep. before that happens. And what are the odds of all that? It's so funny as you're talking about her. I've been seeing her flying around the room, and we could actually just bring her in now because I'm getting info, okay? Yes, go ahead, please. Um, she's ready. Um, it's so funny. She came in in one of her really pretty dresses, and it reminded me of a dress she wore on... Um, Golden Girls, where she was dancing and doing splits and all this sort of thing. But she came in, she gave a thumbs up, like, yep, I'm in. And she said right away, she didn't want to hang out here for her 100th, 100th birthday. She wanted to go to the other side, her Alan, her twin. She mm. wanted to be with him. And as I said that, I'm like getting chills. And she said, the party's over here now. And she says that um, when she was alive in her body this time, she had a lot of questions about spirituality. And I saw that in an interview. I don't want to say I didn't see that, but I did. But she says over here now, she's like, man, it's like all those questions are no more. And she's, she says... I did a good job at raising the consciousness and reminding people of the importance of kindness and laughter and about honoring creation through animals. And she says um, this was her last lifetime. She said she raised her vibration high enough. She doesn't have to come back. Um, and she's excited about that because she's enjoying herself with Alan, um, apparently. And, and I've heard her say it, but she's saying, oh, she missed him 
<clears throat> every day, every day. And she says, now we're back together. And she says, there's no split. There's just this celebration. And she's showing me how um, she has all these other relatives and friends around her. And she, she actually said that she met Jimi Hendrix. Um, wow. For some reason, uh, she wanted to throw that out. And she's laughing and she's saying, Belushi. Belushi, and she said, the funny man. She's like, I met him. She's she's like talking about how some of these people that had so much fame and died early, she's like, they're the ones, some of the ones that welcomed her home. She said, the party, the party. She's like a big celebration. And I'm getting, and... She's also smiling when I say this. Um, I'm getting intuitively that um, she was uh, from the angelic vibration. And if you look, she was very non-confrontational. She didn't get involved in the stuff because her only job was to come and exemplify light and show the kindness and show how to remain kind through trials and tribulations. And she did that. She excelled at that. Um, her aim in life was to not leave a bad word on anyone's lips about her. That was some intention she had. And it's interesting because I can't, I can't tell you how often I have heard people say nobody on this planet didn't like her. And that was part of her legacy. Love. Love. That's why I wanted to check in with her because that's the way I felt, you know, the same way. And if I know you're getting a little echo on your part, but I just want to, if there's more she has to say, that's great. And if not, ask her what does she see? Does she see what's going on here? And are we heading towards the fifth dimension? So it's interesting because even before I got on today, I was sensing her and I was reflecting on our last show about the fifth dimension. And she says, I heard her just say, um, you've got it, you've got it, baby, kind of like, it's there, it's there. She's like, and she, what she did when she was here, she connected to the anchors of 5D, which kept her living long, it kept her able to do things she wanted to do because her frequency was so up. She's like somebody who didn't have a healthy diet, but her energy was so high and her frequency was so big that she could alter the electromagnetic field of food just by it being around her. So, And it wasn't a conscious thing she did. She just lived it. She didn't say, oh, let me do 5D. She just stepped into it. And her connection with Alan laid the foundation for that. So she says 5D linked to the twin flame is what started her. She was looking 
to live with humor and happiness and that kind of thing in her life. And she didn't say, oh, let me enter 5D, but she was led to where the anchors. So she started bringing it in. She started bringing it in through her work, what she loved, how she loved. It's 5D energy. And it's interesting, when I, I was thinking of her I, today, um, I got this flash and these images of weddings. Stop and think what happens at weddings. People go into celebration. They dance. They sing, generally speaking, right? Yes. And the more the party, the party is the celebration of love. And people tend to leave 5D weddings very happy. Okay, because the frequency is up. So love is a doorway, it's a key. And she says you have access to it. She says um, when you think of are we heading toward 5D, you're thinking of the majority. She says in your, in, in your consideration, what is occurring is there is a minority, a wave about a minority of souls on the planet building bigger and bigger waves to invite more people to step into it. So she's saying the activation has occurred, which is the same thing that I see. And she sees that from the other side. <clears throat> she's, and she's showing me this image when she, draw, when she talks about 5D. She puts these sunglasses on. She's like light is so bright. This is what she's saying. And um, she's saying, oh, she's talking about you. And she says, when you go to that, that place of, are we entering the 5D? I heard her say, that's your head, man. Go to your heart. That's your head, man. Go to your heart. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yep. She says, the heart will free you, is <laughs> what she says. Very down to earth. <laughs> hmm. Yes. That's wonderful. Feels like she's oh, right there. Go ahead. Yeah, and the other thing, she showed me this image of faces like Sandra Bullock and <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds and all these people she loved who loved her. And... She shows me how there are waves of love that she took with her when she went and she left these waves of love behind. And she's really happy what the world did with um, animal um, advocacy work. She's really happy to see how people donated to shelters and became more consciously aware of the importance of supporting them and doing it in her name. She said that was her legacy. That was her baby she left behind. And then um, and she shows me how the Golden Girls met up with her on the other side, too. You know, how nice. Yep. So there's, yeah, there are all, there are reunions. Uh, she says to me, she had these specific connections with different people, like she was connected with this group and this group and these people and that and those people. But she had a strong foundation in who she was. 
So she was genuine and real and naturally exuding light. It just came very easy to her to do that. Wow. So she was herself. She was herself. You know, and I, I just heard her say she accomplished what she came to do in a big way. Okay. Anything else that she wants to add? She showed me a flash of Jesus and Buddha. She's like, I met those energies here. And then she shows me, she, she describes, like when she says those energies, it's like I see their faces and I see their energies change. So it feels like what she is um, experiencing is being enveloped in the wave and the frequency of the oneness of creation. It's like she she appeared in the way we knew her in a body initially, and now I see her going in and out of these waves of being energy in connection with source. And she talks about it's lovely and she can relax. And I, I feel her with Alan. They're like one, one. And Alan Ludden was her husband that he died quite a while back. And he was the host of uh, Password. And yep. you said they're twin flames. And I remember Betty said that she would never be with another man. And that was the guy for her. And that was it. And she stuck to that for over 30 years, I think. It was longer than that, maybe. Yep. And so it's truly, I think it truly feels like you're making that connection with her because I don't know how much you knew about her beforehand, but that's, those are things that I'm well aware of about Betty. I know she was huge into animal, um, trying to create advocacy for animals and getting people to treat them better and adopt animals. So pretty cool stuff. Yes. Well, she did that, and it's interesting because, um, you know, the the twin connection altered her life completely. It was like it was preordained, as it is so with twins, that they meet, but it pushed her to grow in a whole other way, too. She may have always loved animals, but he encouraged her to dream as big as she could. And, you know, she she was finding her sea legs on her own, but he had her back. And he had her back even from the other side. So even though she didn't understand what was going on, um, I'm hearing her. I'm checking to see... She had dream visits, and she's saying, yes, absolutely, absolutely she had dream visits with him. Um, so there was a part of her that didn't feel a total disconnect that people go into when they lose somebody they love. And, you know, it's the twin connection. But the other thing, if you look at how she lived her life, even though she didn't get in a relationship again after um, he, he left, she, um, she lived, she 
she lived. She didn't sit in the corner and grieve and stop stop living because he transitioned. She propelled herself to do more, which you know is is very exemplary. It, it exemplifies the connection with the twin because the twin connection will cause you to grow even when you think you can't. It will push you. And he did from the other side, and they did have visits. So that soothed her soul, and it gave her, um, she said, uh, she says it gave her her, her comeuppance, gave her a chance to really show her stuff and to show what she was made of. And um, that that love, she says, She's showing me, she's really funny. She's in, in, She's visual, like she fades in and out of being visual. But um, she's holding this banner up, and she's like flashing this banner, and she's like saying, I graduated. <laughs> That's what she says. I graduated. <laughs> um, so she is enthralled with the happiness. She does want you to know. She looks at the people in that space of oneness where she's without form and she feels compassion. And she wants you to know that um, the formlessness place where they're all hanging together, where the oneness is without form, it exudes a light and a peace and mercy or grace into those places that are suffering uh, to open doors. So she's saying there is work being done from there. And she wants to remind you <clears throat> that the 5D isn't just dependent on what's happening on the earth. It's expanding itself through the consciousness of all the other dimensions of light. And this is the reason why the doors to 5D are open because there are doorways linked to other areas where the light can come in from other dimensions. Like uh, the Rainbow Bridge is a dimension, of course, you know, the listeners and you and I know of with the animals. And I hear her saying to me, good example, Joy. Um, so what... It, what um what she's uh, we're, what we're saying is that um that dimension of the rainbow bridge has a door that is linked to mercy and care and opportunity to clear karma and so the souls connected to that dimension sometimes travel the earth in with their pack if they were with a pack of human or dogs and they will try to present opportunities for people to have flashes of remembrance and occurrence um, either through the animals they have or in nature in some way they'll exchange with nature and the other animals to try to get people to awaken to something bigger than what they know, which is a door to 5D. Um, and now I'm partial, as we know, to fairies and angels and all that. 
and there's a betting she's given a thumbs up again. Well, the fairy kingdom and connecting with the fairies and the angels and all that stuff, that's all partly a doorway to 5D, dealing with souls that have transitioned or died. You have to upscale uh, to go into those dimensions. So when you connect there, you're connecting with 5D. When you're loving and opening. So remember, there are different doors. It's not just one. There are many different opportunities presenting for those that are kind of walking around unconscious. Okay? And um, remember that you're a door. As a light, you're a door. Okay? Um, see, what you're going to see in 5D is not that the outside world changes when you live it. It's how you perceive the world from your inside eyes that show how 5D is activated from within. Interesting. Yeah, love, right? Could be. You said I'm a door as well, but I think I'm more of a hutch or maybe a coffee table? No, no, no. No, I check. I check. You're a, let's shoot for a window. (laughs) (laughs) Today. Yes, I know, I know. It's wonderful. But you're in it. Please tell Betty thank you for being a part of this. Such a wonderful message. And if there's anything more she wants to add, otherwise maybe I know we have so much time today. We move on to the next. Is Betty done then? I hear her saying, you're so kind. You're so kind. And she says, thank you. Thank you, Tejas. Tejas, as Joy calls. <laughs> That's what she's calling you, Tejas, too. Hmm. Um, wait a minute. And she says to the listener, Never give up hope of living your dreams. You have them because it's possible to live them. And she says, I'm right here, dancing in the glory of the oneness, the light, the love that we're all co-creatively expanding together. She says, oh, those newfangled, new age, metaphysical words. (laughs) She says, I'm hooked. (laughs) And I saw her like eating it, like out of a spoon. She says, I have more of those wisdoms or questions that I had, which I was too afraid to search for the answers didn't want to go too deep because I wanted to keep alive. And I was afraid if I went too deep, I would struggle connecting with people. She said, so I kept it light. And she said, and so now I understand on a higher realm or way what keeping it light really meant. She says, I have that peace. And she says, I wish you all that. 
and the oneness is alive because you are too. And then I saw her shimmer and sparkle. And she's just kind of like an energy field. How lovely. And she's gold. She's gold. Hmm. So it's no wonder she was on a show called The Golden Girls. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. That, and what you said about her, I think most people, like you say, all the years she was in entertainment, and I'm sure, you know, you, you don't know 100%, maybe somebody had a, a moment where they didn't care for her, whatever the case. But it just seemed like everybody loved her and everybody, she just always had that demeanor about her. That And I know we don't know private moments all the time, but she just seemed so respectful. of. I would see her talk in interviews, and she was just down-to-earth real, you know, and had, could laugh at herself. You know, it wasn't yeah. like she was ever putting on a show. Uh, I'm sure as exactly. an actor she had to do that as an actor, but the the person I saw when you would see an interview, you know how some people can be in an interview, and you can tell they're maybe not, they're kind of playing to the whoever's interviewing them. And with her, it was just more her speaking from her own truth, which yep. was wonderful. So. Yes, it really was, and she was real. What a great, great light for the world, and, and she's even more so one now on the other side with yep. Alan, Alan Ludden all those years ago. Yes. Wow. So, love. Thank you for requesting her to come on. She was a delight to tune in with. Maybe she requested it through me. I don't know. You know, it's like, why did I think? I think, so. I think so. You're very good at that. You just—that's because you're that window <laughs> <laughs> with the big screen on it. Yeah. Now I'm going to call you the window. <laughs> <laughs> so now, our former president John Fitzgerald Kennedy, I feel like he's been—I don't know—popping in my head too, like. Oh, talk to me, talk to me. And I just feel his presence, it feels like, and maybe I'm wrong on that, uh, sensing that he could be around. But, you know, I see that a lot is going on in the world right now that some people might see as negative. And I just think he would have a unique way of putting things if we communicated with him and maybe get us back to focus on the bigger picture. So do you want to talk with JFK? Yes, yes. But before we phone in, there's something I want to share. Remember when I did that interview with Morgan Le Fay? Yes. Yes. Well, she has tracked me down again, and she has me writing her story, which it shares things beyond what the movie, The Mist of Avalon, says. And one of the things um, that she just spoke of last week as I was writing the book, and she's, let me tell you, she's a phenomenal storyteller, and the way she shares things um, like concerning walking the temples when they were destroyed and what that was like and all kinds of things. But one of the things she said um, that really moved me last week. She was saying different statements, things, and the one statement she said 
will there be room in your heavenly world for the reemergence of Camelot, of Lumoria, of Atlantis? And will the drums of Mew beat again? So she is very um, focused in bringing uh, the aspect of the truth that has been forgotten in different myths forward, like she said. But I recall how Kennedy was into Camelot and his role in that lifetime. And it's interesting you brought this up because this whole Camelot theme has been coming up lately. And it's been coming up through her and the way <clears throat> even those that are involved in the co-creation of heaven on earth, um, the visions and the way people live their life um, and how they choose to express their mission, the question is, is it inclusive, you know? See, a part of what's going on that when we look at the world with 5D and 3D is you're looking at a split in consciousness. And Kennedy is coming forward now. And he's saying that his insights understood that and his it was like he wanted to bridge that. Um, and he was frustrated because trying to do that in a human form was highly improbable. And he's saying um, the government is not the place that will heal the split. He's, and I can hear him very clearly saying it's from the people that hold the vision of a wider consciousness, a wider world that will include the resolutions to the conflicts that are going on. He's, he's saying that he came to imprint the world with a memory and a vision of something that had pure intent and desire to create a better world. And the proposition of doing that through government at his time, um, it became accessible through mentioning Camelot and um, his wife, uh, Jackie. And I see her standing with him now. Um, She's raising her hand and she's saying she was very involved in him being equated with that myth. And I read that someplace, but she's tapping on me with a reminder that it was through the feminine and his desire to create a better world that that imprint came. And he says that when, when he died... The reason the grief was so strong was that people feared they lost the vision of Camelot again. 
and the world went about its business of trying to reorder itself and create something bigger from what was considered the mundane in the government. There was movement. There was this kind of thing. He's he's showing me flashes of different presidents and some who were favored and some who were considered questionable. But it was kind of as if as if when he transitioned, he took a frequency out of the government running and producing itself to create a better world. It was like something left with him which began the shift in the government at that time which eventually left led into the breakdown now. So there were periods of hope that it could shift again and then it disintegrated again. So it's been this back and forth, well, let's get up, uh, it's going to fall apart. Let's get up, uh, it's going to fall apart. And he says because the hope is the answer will be found there, but it's not. So, hmm, I hear, and this, this sounds like something I would say, but I can hear him saying it because he's right around my right side. And I agree with this. He says that people are looking for 5D answers in a third dimensional system. And that's what he's saying. The answers aren't there. He says that... He is showing me one thing. He's showing me um, that something connected to the youth that have a wave of light that are trying to bring things forward, like new ideas and concepts. And he says what's going on right now is the system, it doesn't create viable care for children, for example, <clears throat> and so trying to um, give them the floor to shine in a very wide way would offer more to be fed into the system that could create new hope. And I, when I say younger people, I'm, I'm not talking about teenagers. I'm talking about um, it looks like I'm getting a flash of some faces, and these younger people are like in their late 20s, 30s, something like that. Um, the concept of allowing um, younger people into the system would bring new hope because the kids that they fear they let in that are too young are also very conscious and awakened souls. But there are these rules that distract and cause disruption in the system. So he's, he's saying that he sees more happening in the system and he's shaking his head and he's like saying, you're not going to like what you see there. 
That's what he said. I just heard it. And um, he says, but look for new hope outside of there. Look for it in new places, in new ways, new ideas. He says when you get really frustrated. He says whether you believe in fairies or not, go out in nature. He says stand near water. He says listen to the sound of the rivers and the streams and the oceans. He says that you know how uh, he was involved in... um, in the service, and he was in water a lot and around water a lot. And he said, um, this actually fed his ability to have vision and to dream bigger. It's some of the few times he felt peace, he said. He says, go there. He says, when it gets heavy. He says to, he says, um, open the doors for each other. He says, respect your mothers and your wives. He says, I learned things the hard way. He says, respect them. He says, let your ideas be known, even if you think they're not going to be favored by people. He says, it's the new stuff that will create change. Again, he's saying that. Now he's saying, Brother Tejas, do you have a question? I have a few. So let me first start off with Morgan Le Fay and his connection to Camelot and King Arthur. And then if he doesn't mind expanding on Joy's connection... And Joy told me I'm a part of that, if he wants to go down that road. But mainly I want to learn about his connection to that time period. Well, you know, he says that, um, he says he's an aspect of Arthur, and he smiles. He's like, it's in my blood, you know. He says, um, he says, I'm still in here with that. He said, I don't disregard my light in any way. <clears throat> he says, so I still carry that. Does that answer your question? Yes, so he was So he was an aspect of Arthur, and then he also, because you have your connection to Morgan Le Fay, so mm-hmm. does he have anything to say about Morgan? He says the sisterhood. He says we. He says um, she's in the sisterhood now. She's coming out, making herself known. He says more will be revealed through her own words. He says she she is my sister in heart. And there is more in that connection that will be revealed also. She wants to speak it in her words, in her book, in her time. And he's honoring that. 
And then I would just like to, on behalf of my sister, Joy, was she connected to that energy in some way all those years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you you pulled her out of the closet once before on that one. And, and I, Joy, can say I was there, yes. Yes. And were you were you like a part of? I don't want to get ask a question you don't want to answer. Were you part of Morgan? Because you're really drawn to Morgan. Were you part of her? An aspect of her energy? Do you feel? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Um, since I have been writing her book, I remember things in my life from my childhood on up, where she started coming to me and telling me things that I had totally forgotten for a long time. And now they're all coming out, which is wild. It really is. Um, You know, when I was seven or eight, um, I had never heard a fairy tale. I had never heard of fairies. The only child's book that was ever read to me was something called Hans Hans Brinker and the Silver Skate. But when I was eight years old, I was compelled to sit and write um, a play. And it was all about the fairies and the tree spirits and why they had to go underground. And I had all the, I produced it, I wrote it, I created all the costumes, I hired all the little kids in the neighborhood to be the actors, and I starred in the thing, you know? And I totally forgot this. And it was like, where did that come from? And now, you know, of course, years later, it was Morgan Le Fay. She had told me what had happened. And one of the things I will tell you, she was one of the ones that took the fairies underground to keep them safe. And that's part of the reason why she's not just called Morgan. She's Morgan Le Fay. She's considered mother to fairies. And this was back in a time when King Arthur, this, this is real. This is a lot of it. Think yeah. it, people think it's legend. Maybe not exactly as we perceive it. And we're talking hundreds of years ago, maybe 500 AD or somewhere in there. I don't know when that would have taken place. I think we talked about that a little bit. And I always was drawn to this mythical place of King Arthur. And and then, you know, we talked about the connection with JFK and Camelot. And then in one of our shows, you had said that he was connected to King Arthur's energy. He wasn't, when we say aspect, we, we don't mean that he was that being incarnated, but he was connected to that energy. We can We can be part of those things. And so... We may, you may not have been Morgan, but you were connected to her energy as part of the, your journey. Well, Go ahead. You'll, you'll see, like, in the book how that plays out. <clears throat> you know, um, there's some souls on the planet um, that carry large aspects of certain characters. You know, their core may be connected to that more than others. So, and it has to do not with 
again, who has the special T-shirt. It's more about what your soul purpose is and what the design is. So everybody has a special piece they're here to live. Um, it makes it easier to live it when you when you come to realization sometimes with who you are in a soul space. Um, you can express it much more. You trust following your passion um, because you're giving yourself permission to express what your soul needs to say. And you see an aspect of when you see an aspect of your own divinity, right? Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes it does, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, it does. I, thank you, Master Window, <laughs> Master Jesus. You know, and who who pray tell would you have been then? You're convinced that I was there. Oh, without without doubt, without doubt. I think I found somebody that I was drawn to, but I don't remember the name of the individual, one of the knights of the round table. Yes, I don't remember who it was. Yes, I. I believe you're on it for two reasons. One, you felt it, right? Yes. And two, I remember you. <laughs> do you? Yes. Oh, and yeah. What do you remember about me? If I was supposedly around back then, what do you remember? I remember, well, it's interesting. As soon as you said that, I remember you wearing... Um, I see you sitting at the round table in a very casual uh, way of sitting, and you have this tunic on that is very embroidered with gold and uh, deep maroon, a very deep maroon color. And um, yeah, the knights of the round table, some people showed up in armor. Some people decided they didn't want to every day. It was comfort, you know. Um, I see this image of you there, and I see you were young, you were young, and you were brave and daring and chivalrous, and uh, you had a good heart, and um, you were kind of naive in the makings and the ways of government and what corruption could have been there. So you you were very trusting of Arthur and um, what the groundwork was concerning the evolution of Camelot. And for you, there was no question that Camelot would prevail and expand. And it's part of the reason why you have this eternal hope in you, and you do. You may have bumps. You may have things that happen. But your ability to sustain hope is one of your greatest strengths. You keep getting back up through it all. You never fully throw anything out. Um, if it's something that has had light in it, you try to find a place and see how it makes sense. And that hope has sustained you through a lot of things. And it was with you then. You inspired us. 
Sounds like a pretty heavy burden to carry for me. <laughs> yeah, well, it no, does. And it, it, yeah, but it wasn't, you never saw it as a burden. You always felt an excitement with it. And part of the reason why um, you're able to reach people, people can hear you, um, you know, like they'll listen to you, is because there's that sense of what is genuine and real and hopeful that comes through you. It just naturally does. You know, my name back then, I can tell you it right now if you want. I just channeled the name. Yeah. Sir, yeah. La Sir laughs a lot. Sir laughs a lot. Sir laughs a lot? Sir laughs a lot, yeah. <laughs> I think it began with a G. With a G, really? I think so. Hmm. I don't really know of any of the other ones other than Lancelot. So I remember I looked it up, so I'll have to do, look that up again. Mm -hmm. Is JFK... Yeah, and Go ahead. I was going to say, and I had given that homework to you before, so I'm going to give you the refresher course in that today to go and pursue the homework, Okay. Okay. Thank you. And what did JFK what? I was just going to ask him about his son. You know, there are reports that his son maybe faked his death, that he's still around and he's working behind the scenes. And is no, there? No, no. I just wanted to see if he would comment on that. No, no, no. He did not fake his death. He actually says that he met him. He met him first. First. And it's interesting, he, um, remember, they went down in the plane, he went in, like, he went in to get, like, he went in the plane before it went in, because he knew what was going to happen. So his spirit was around the three of them, the three of them had heard of him, and they each had somebody, actually, I see they each had like um, not just an angel, but somebody they were familiar with on the other side with their hands on their shoulders before they died. So there was a kind of grace that was being given to them even before it happened. They, they went through the human fear, but their soul had a sense of calm that kind of ushered them to the other side rather quickly, and he was there with him. He was there with him. Was it foul play in any way? No, no. It was um, was interesting. Now, I had read some things on this, and when I read things, you know, it's like something inside of me, I'll go, yeah, you know how that is. And... Um, I think it's kind of, it's like when I'm used to working with, um, uh, when I've worked with murder cases, your your discernment kicks in. And it did with that, and I felt, no, this was natural. And this, yeah, this happened. The option to live longer was there. But um, 
the reason the three of them went together was because John and his wife, the young John and his wife, couldn't conceive living without each other, and her sister couldn't conceive living without, you know, her sister. You know, I forget what her name is. Uh, what is it, Caroline? Caroline, it? yeah. Maybe Caroline, Caroline? Yeah, Caroline, yeah. Um, she could not conceive staying without. So without her. So the three of them agreed to go together. Okay. Thank you. Remember remember this. We have free will. And free will includes when we live, when we die, and how we go. I'm how a- we go. I believe that. Hello? Yes, I believe that. Yeah. So... I wanted to ask, without really having to go into any detail, was the government behind his assassination? I don't know if we ever really asked that question. Yes. Yes. And were they, did they do it because he wanted to change things? He saw how yes. corrupt the government was and he truly wanted to change yes. things? Yes. And what happened, <clears throat> it's interesting Um, I want to say I'm getting hit and he's saying it too as I get as it's coming you know how he was saying there was something taken out of the government with his death it was like um, a stream of a vision was lost and died when he went and that's why the world grieves so much Well, what happened, his death left a message to future presidents of how much control the government had. So there was, you know, memories linked to future rule, you know, linked to um, when presidents would go in, they were aware, you know, how much input the government had beyond them. You know, and that was a loud message. You know, and there's another question I want to ask too about his brother, who was going to who was going to be our next president. At least it looked like he was on the road to that, and he was assassinated. Yeah. And I've always believed that there was more to that. Was he also taken out of the picture? So, um, Bobby, you're talking about Bobby mm-hmm. Robert, right? Yep. Because he popped in, he's sitting here. I have a chair here that they hang out on. I want to describe something, though. John, his presence is big. He's got a lot of light, and it's interesting. He has Jackie kind of with him. And um, Bobby is sitting here, and he's, he wants to create a joke. And he's, he's talking about, um, he, he goes, God, next to my big brother, you mean I get to say something kind of like that? He's like saying that. And it's funny because the way he came in, you know, you you get the sense they're of the same family, but he feels like he's smaller in stature in some ways. And he was like, um, he said, with John, he got to 
speak, he said with him, they closed him, they closed him down before he really got to do anything. So when he, he says, yeah, things were planned. There were things planned bigger than, than what was thought. And, and another question is since Bobby's there, and I didn't expect that he would be there, but I've been following his son, Bobby Kennedy yeah. Jr., and he's been a very, yeah. very big proponent or very outspoken on certain things. And, and would he care to comment about his son at all? He, he touched his heart <clears throat> kind of like, um, like he's proud, he's proud. And he says he's trying to hold the stature for us. And he's saying he feels like he's doing it partly from obligation and the drive to create change. And he's passionate about what he feels. So he's saying he's, he's the legacy of what was left behind for us, for how long it be, for how long it be. But he's not even, he's not, he's not doing a debate on whether the issues are the same or different. It's not that. It's his love. He feels very proud of him. Well, I just, you know, just to lay the cards on the table, because I've been following Bobby Kennedy more recently, and I've seen many videos that he's involved in and seeing him speaking up, and he's really come out against the vaccinations, and he's he's really standing strong on that, and I guess that's kind of what I was, was hinting at a little bit, that he's been a strong voice. I'm That for many other things, I'm sure, as well. Yes. Well... He's passionate about all that. He is. He is. So he's expressing his truth. And, you know, that's what the Kennedys, whether they had human issues or not, on some level, they really were trying to do that. And... Here's their legacy. Bobby's still there, touching his heart, saying he's proud. I'm so grateful that he showed up. Um, <laughs> well, just, if you're reading on his son, it makes sense he would come in. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask JFK or Bobby, whoever wants to step forward, or both of them, um, he talked about how things are going to have to change and it's really going to have to come from us. And, and I know we talked about 5D a lot. Maybe not everybody buys into that. But what can we do? He said, ask not what, you can, what your country can do for you. But what can we, I get love was probably the answer to this already, but what are the steps we can take to changing not only the country but the world as well? He's saying go internal for the wisdoms, the truth that can direct you 
to live more peacefully and in and in harmony with each other and the world at large. And he says he's talking about you know how we have the United States and Russia and China, right? Yes. He says he showed me an image and he's he says the word remember one world one world. He says when that is a propelling force, people get on board with supporting each other from everywhere. He says it has to start from somewhere inside. He says go inside and let your truth light shine and take that and plant it wherever it can grow. He says, remember, the truth is not always favored by everyone, but those that accept your truth, that support you, that resonate, with the same level of truth or part of the the tribe or part of the group you're meant to connect with. And he says there is power in numbers. He says the fall of patriarchy is necessary to equalize the playing field. He says the problems arise when this one or that one is considered more important than another. That's why, he says, governments at large systems that give preference to things or people singularly more than the whole he says he's all about the coming together he's talking about how he was raised in such a large family and he said it made it easy for him to conceive of what it was like to have to live with many people because of that the idea of connection with each other was part of what drove his family, the brothers, to strive to get each other's backs. And he says that brotherhood and sisterhood is something he would like to see everywhere in that new earth system. He says things will come up, they'll be revealed. Wait a minute here. Happy things. What you would call good things. He said there'll be an elevation of frequencies. People will let go of what was considered the norm or mundane and step into the new foundations 
because it will become the more viable resource to expand and to create self-sustainability and work with the whole and co-create this new world, the one world on the earth of which you're privileged to live on, he says. I'm I'm hearing too, it's interesting. The natives, Native Americans, I'm just getting this. Oh, hold on one second. Uh they're coming full circle. They're coming forward in the days ahead with more prophecies. And they'll become more the word is I want to say proficient or more stable in holding the truth and being visible and affecting the global cause of oneness because the timing is now. So I can see Kennedy showing me that there's like all these different streams of different truths coming together to start to support each other to bring in what they're here to bring in. So he says that holographic reality I speak so freely of, says me, he says that is a landing. I asked him if there's anything else he wanted to say, and he said he wanted to wish everyone a happy celebration of Love Day. And he wants you to know his heart is inside of each of you in a place that holds hopes and dreams, that knows that stables of fascination can be real, a place where Camelot is alive. He's thanking, he's thanking, thanking you for calling him forward. He's, he's welcome. I'm glad that he was. He trying to get me to call him forward. Was that was I accurate in feeling that he wanted to come on and do this? Or he smiled and gave a thumbs thumbs up. He's like, yes, okay. yes. Okay. And he says, I'll come back. <laughs> he says, I'll come back if you'd like. Absolutely, absolutely, brother. He says there are others, many others, that would like to have a voice on the show. And he says, you may want to incorporate an interdimensional interview with each show, some degree or another. What does that mean? 
but you know how we're talking in a, to them from other dimensions. Oh, so at every show we should do a, like a like a channeling with somebody from another. Every yeah, time we have somebody come in. Apparently, that's his idea. Apparently, there's a crew. It, it didn't cross my mind, but now <laughs> apparently so, right? Right. Well, I'm up for that. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. I mean, we can we can do our messages that you want to do, whatever you want to for that month, yeah. and then we can also spend part of it with whoever we both feel. If you get somebody around you that you feel is nudging you or whatever, you know, I can look into yeah. that as well. So I definitely am up that for that. Cool. That's actually what I was feeling when we started doing this again. And I didn't want to tell you that because I want you to take it wherever you want to. But I thought it'd be kind of neat if we did more of those kind of things. But I agree. I agree. We could even, I heard um, Rob and Williams just now pop in. And then, of course, I felt the fairies. They want a voice, I think, too. Wow. So, mm-hmm. so well, yeah, surprises. So I do want to thank them for coming in, each of them, John, um, Bobby, and Betty White. I want to thank them, and I want to thank Alan for his guest appearance and some of the golden girls that on the other side that popped their heads in. For I want to thank them all for coming. And um, I do have an announcement I'd like to make. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday, uh, the 13th, from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, Soul Support Systems is hosting... Uh, a day of celebration of the heart, and they're gonna. There's an incorporating of using heart threads with horse. Um, with um, what do you call um, remote experiences with horses? Um, there's a woman in England who works with horses and does heart threads and. This will be done on Zoom, so people can go in and have sessions with that. Um, There's going to be a breakout room where people can go in Zoom sections and get heart threads, and there's going to be an ancestral uh, segment where people can shift ancestral patterns. Um, And there's also, I'm going to head... Um, a segment, a half-hour segment uh, with children that incorporates art and positive statement and a magical crystal and the importance of um, utilizing words to shift patterns that block children from living and feeling good about themselves and happy and all that. Um, And T-shirts for peace the organization that um, I run, we're going to gift every child that chooses to do this. Um, and it's, it's called like a happy, happy um, heart play segment. I've seen it with children and I've seen it with it. Um, I've seen it done with a, a parent and a child and it really is very sweet. So it's a full day event though and 
if you want to find information, you can go to um, soulsupportsystems.org. So that's all small letters, right, with the .org and soulsupportsystems.org. And you can check into the link, which is Celebration of the Heart on uh, Sunday, February 13th from 9 to 4. And there's a sliding scale, so people can really get in easier if they need to. Um, There's not like a standard price. But I wanted to put that out to everyone. Um, Heart Thread is really some extremely pivotal work which has the potential to shift DNA patterns that keep us stuck and you know, helps us live more fully present in the truth of our hearts. So that was my announcement. And I will, uh, I will attest to it that it does get, can make a huge difference because I've had it done to me. So I definitely hear you, sis. And yeah. what else was I going to say? There's something else I was going to tell you. Now I kind of slipped my mind. <laughs> oh, well. It's just, uh, it was a really wonderful show. I, I loved hearing from all the different people that were there Betty White uh, I didn't know that we were going to go down this road with her as much as we did but that's wonderful yeah really and yeah JFK you know I never would have thought I was connected to him in some way before and now I believe that it certainly could have been a possibility because he just been has been on my mind so much you know lately and I feel like his... You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no I was, you go ahead. I was going to say, I just feel like somehow I was connected to him. I mean, you tell me these things, and I believe a lot of it, but there's still that small part of me, like anything, that goes, well, maybe. <laughs> well, I think you're getting better with your maybes, you know, <laughs> and if you, if you think about it, um before we got on, I didn't know you were thinking of Bobby and he popped in. And, you know, I think it's interesting um, what um, Betty White described. I mean, she described living like very naturally a fifth dimensional life and then going to the other side and trying to help bring, bring that up even more. It, I never thought of it that way either until she said it. So I learned some things, too. Amazing. I I like what you said about her, you know, she lived to be almost 100, and you said because she was always connected to that fifth dimensional, and you said that she didn't eat well, and I don't know for sure if she did or not. I don't know that much about her life. But you said the food did not shift the energy in her body because she was on a higher vibration. And that just seemed like a really neat thing. You know, that like, yeah. I could see that. I could definitely see that, that maybe she didn't worry about that, those kind of things. So, um, no, she didn't. You know, it's interesting that came up. I teach um, a monthly moon class, like a new moon class, and we study three different kinds of astrology and numerology and. We do a flame of grace call and, and a channeling and a bunch of stuff. But 
the last channeling they did for one of the moon sisters said, if you want to um, feed uh, living youthful and stopping the aging process, they said, find one area of your body where you feel age does not factor in at all. And imagine that expanding throughout your whole body. So it's like taking a healthy cell and expanding that cell so it travels throughout your whole body and it feeds the frequency of youth, which is similar to what what you did with food because what you do, your cells, if your cells are high enough and you're teeming with life force and everything, you alter the frequency of things around you naturally. So it's, it's frequency is key with living, you know, um, out of the stuff. Frequency is the key. And it so only, it's with eating, food, uh, health, all of it. You know, and it only makes sense that, you know, you look around what they tell us now is you need to have all these fruits and vegetables. And these things didn't exist for people thousands of years ago. They didn't have access to everything like we do now. And I always wondered, well, how did they survive? And I would think the frequency that they had at one time, and maybe there was a time on this planet when, the, first of all, the foods were more, had a higher frequency. But you couldn't always get all this variety of things in your diet. There'd be no way. So yep. I would think we also understood what we, the meditation over the food we have and bringing out the highest vibration in that food. But this is why, yeah. we, why we bless up food. And so I think we didn't need, you know, we've been led to believe, oh, you got to, and not that it's nothing wrong with having all these things, which we do, but we don't, we survive before without them. And yes. it's what you probably think about it as you're eating. This is really good for me, even though I'm eating a bag of Funyuns right now. Mm-mm, healthy. Mm, pork rinds. Nothing but the best. Nom, nom, nom. So the attitude, certainly, I know that's an exaggeration. But the... Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> I'll never think of pork rinds as unhealthy again. <laughs> no, they're loaded with nutrients and vitamins. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Joy, I'm sure you got to run. I probably got to run as well. Is there anything else you want to finish off the podcast with? No, I want to thank everyone for listening in. And if you enjoyed today, please feel free to tell your friends and follow us on our sites. And um, if you want to give feedback, we'd love to hear what you have to say. And um, I want to thank TJ for. Uh, being his uh, host with the most, as always. Um, I so appreciate you and all you do, and love you very much, bro. Love you, too. Love you, too. Thank you. And happy Heart Day, everyone. May your heart last in the joy and bliss of love.